All right, so Stanley, Jack Kirby, they create the X-Men. Oh, yeah. And they work on it for like five, ten years. Well, more like two years. Two years. Yeah. And then it's super successful after two years? Uh, no. Marvel actually cancels the X-Men. Cancel? Uh, at about 1970. After Damn. it's been going for a couple years. And yeah, it, it just goes into this giant size gap of five years. Oh my God, I see what you did. Where there. the X-Men are just reprinted. Old issues. Just They're just like, nah, we're just going to do it over. Yeah. Welcome to the Ex-Wife Podcast. I'm Justin. And I'm Alicia. And I let you do that intro today, but it will never happen again. Thanks for joining us, friends. So I'm going to assume today we're talking about a giant size X-Men. Yeah. <laughs> because you threw that little pun thing in there in the beginning. Yeah. We're going worldwide with this one. Oh, worldwide. Yeah. So I'll give you a little backstory, a little history that I've learned just from reading interviews, reading books, and watching documentaries. Uh, so the X-Men were not the prominent title that they are today. The original creators, Stan and Jack, left around, I think, issue 20? Like OG X-Men number one. Like the 1963 run, run started. With they got about one. 20 issues in, and then they were like, peace. Yeah. Roy Thomas took over writing. Stan was still an editor, more specifically on the book, like a story editor. They go through a handful of artists, Jay Gavin, Werner Roth, a few others, uh, and then Neil Adams eventually took over on art. And it was actually, the way that numbers were reported back then, they were actually getting somewhere. They were building up sales, building up traction. People were starting to like it, but those numbers weren't reporting. Marvel canceled the book. So in about 1970, Marvel cancels the book. Bummer. And there's no X-Men, no new X-Men issues for five years. So for those, so 1970 to 1975, they were just reprinting old issues? They were reprinting the most recent issues from Roy Thomas and Neil Adams. Oddly continuing the numbering, but with reprinted issues. So when after Giant Size X-Men, when we pick back up, I think the last issue original issue of x-men was like 63 or 64 somewhere around there when we pick back up we're at 94 i don't like it yeah no i don't like that either that's blasphemy but before that happens we go into giant size x-men and so at the time marvel had had a couple of contracts where they could distribute books internationally and some of the books were selling well and they thought hey what would be an even better way to get people interested in books, we should feature characters from where the books are selling well. Oh. So they created this new concept, Len Wein and Dave Cockrum and a couple other people, you know, it's a larger creative team. And they created this issue, Giant Sized X-Men, that was going to be this new international team. Len Wein actually had written the issue of the Incredible Hulk, where Wolverine was introduced. So he was like, I got this guy, Wolverine. We'll bring him in. Dave Cockrum had books on books of character so designs. So when, Wol- when Wolverine was originally brought in, he his first appearance was in the Hulk. Yes. And he wasn't an X-Men. He Correct. was just Wolverine. He was an agent of the Canadian government. He's Canadian? You didn't know that? I think I did. 
I he's, must have. He's everyone's favorite knucklehead. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, my bad. I probably knew that. I probably knew that. And and not that that's really all that international. It doesn't really make a difference. No. Uh well, there there are times it does. But anyway, so <laughs> Dave I Cockrum. I was going to say like what, but that's a tangent. We won't. Yeah. Dave Cockrum, he has this giant book of all these characters. One gets pulled through, Nightcrawler. Actually, it just came right out of the book. He wrote that while he was in the army. Nightcrawler also was not an X-Men? At this point, no. So Nightcrawler. Interesting. So, so they weren't originated as X-Men. They were originated as outside characters. Well, so Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, this is their first appearance. Okay. So they get recruited into the X-Men in their first appearance. But he had already created Nightcrawler? He had created the character design. He may have already named him Nightcrawler. Oh, I, I see. Don't think but he, he was wasn't in Kurt... the comic Yeah, already. he wasn't named Kurt Wagner. He was not, you know, Kurt in the German circus. He wasn't, you know, all the story that came afterwards, they were character designs previously. And and Storm was actually a merge of two characters. One was like a cat woman. Hmm. And the other had more of the costume design that is Storm's original first appearance, which we have the action figure out. Right hanging now. out with us here on the table. So I have a hard copy. Thank goodness. Yeah, no no more digital reading for you. I can't. I hate it. I don't like it. Why? Because I like to turn the pages. Hey, so we've got some new stuff. Ooh, new stuff. We got a rating. A rating? And a review. And a review. Now I'll preface this. It's good thing. Okay. We got our first four star rating. Okay. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Nobody's perfect. Nobody's perfect. And also, like, I feel like you see podcasts, all five stars, would you pay your family? Like, <laughs> you know, it's not always great. It's good. Yeah. That's good. Four stars is still good. I'll four take stars it. is great. Thank you. Thank you, stars. whoever you are. But our review, our review. was five stars Ooh. from Arkham Inmate 520. Ooh. While I listened to other podcasts, the world changed. I discovered this podcast after seeing a random tweet about it. The concept of a husband trying to get his wife to read X-Men comic books intrigued me because it hits close to home. Mm -hmm. It is fun to follow along with them while listening and get insight into things I may not have even realized myself. Listen and be amazed at Justin's X-Hyphenceptional knowledge of X-Men lore. Be entertained by Alicia's often hilarious reactions while trying to make sense of it all. This podcast is great for every X-Men fan. Wow, that's wonderful. That was a good. That's a great review. Thank you so much. Arkham Inmate, I hope you get out soon. I know. Like, who are you? Which Arkham Inmate are you? Yeah. Do I have so many I mean, questions? If, if you like did some murdery things, then maybe maybe don't get out soon. But Like, are you the Joker? I hope so. Maybe. Woohoo. Okay, is that it? Is that the news? Is that all the news? A review and a rating. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean... What, didn't you say we have another Chimera that named? Oh. Yeah. Yeah. And Let me I pull really, that up. So, you know, since the podcast is forever on Apple Podcasts, people are still listening and then submitting Chimeras, which is amazing. And uh, today, Justin, let me know that we got some more submissions. And not only did this person submit their Chimeras, but they named the mutants. Yeah. The mutant names. So That's this next is level amazingness. This is from the uncanny D man on Twitter. He's amazing. got he's got two of them. O M G O dot M dot G dot is one mutant gang. That's the name of this mutant. One mutant gang. They are rogue, 
multiple man, and mystique. That's crazy. You could be anyone. Nuts. You could be so many of anyone you want to be. Yeah, right? And it's just, it's the opportunities that that has. You know. Here's a question. Right. Rogue. Mm-hmm. When Rogue gets someone else's powers, say Rogue touches the juggernaut and yep. now has the juggernaut's powers. Can well, she well, hit? <laughs> um, technically, the juggernaut is not a mutant, so. Uh. <laughs> uh. Okay, my question is, if she has powers of someone who's strong and can hit people, mm-hmm. can she hit people without, like, can she touch people? If their powers require touch, can she touch them or does it just, like, suck their life force out? That's interesting. So you think if she absorbed triage's power. Right. Would she be able to heal people? Which actually, in the issues that I was reading recently, triage didn't actually touch the people to heal them. Oh, yeah. Because triage does Reiki. Right. But um, Reiki people touch you. Not me. No, Reiki people touch me. Not me. <laughs> okay. So what's the second one? Illuminance. Illuminance. Dazzler. Ooh. Banshee. And Sham from X Men twenty ninety nine. I don't know what sh- I don't know Sham. Illusion projection. Ooh. Oh, like it's a sham. Ooh. That's cool. So okay, illusion projection, this like sound wave flight business, and Dazzler. What does Dazzler do? So the more intriguing, at least in my mind, is the combination of Dazzler and Banshee because Dazzler takes sound and converts it into photonic energy Ooh, what's photonic energy like like energy (laughs) (laughs) kind of like jubilee but she can take okay cool (laughs) sometimes i really like wonder what the people who listen to our podcast think about my education like what what? i mean she doesn't know words Okay, cool. So that was awesome. So yeah, keep if you I mean if you're new to the podcast and you want to send a chimera, you have to pick three mutants, make a chimera. If you're longtime friend and you have been inspired for a new one, they're still fun to get. So yeah, and um, you know, leave us a rating and a review. Giant size X Men. Now I've been dying to ask this question, and I haven't asked it because yep. I've been waiting for the episode in which we were, we you know talk about this. Um, are they giant? <laughs> They're not. <laughs> yes, that was a real question. I've been thinking about it for so long. <laughs> the issue is giant size. What does that mean? It's just a big issue. <laughs> it's a big issue, and it's a relaunch. So it's like, tell me how that's not. Okay, but how how so it's it's a name to catch your attention. So it's a we're name not, for giant sized people. Okay. Or giant sized stories. Okay, well that's not what I thought of, so I'm just saying I might not be alone. Other people might be thinking, Oh my god, giant so like, X Men. <laughs> so like a mad scientist, maybe like an enlarging ray or I don't Ant Man Pim Particles. I'm just saying, giant size. Giant size X Men. And, and I'm saying, <laughs> no. <laughs> so where's the punctuation? Giant size. X-Men? Giant size. X-Men. The second one. X-Men. Giant size. That's no. what it should have been called. Well, and also know that, you know, see on the cover of this first issue, you know, we're not just going to rename it 
X-Men and it is also intent to be a jumping on point where you could see this and want to get in on these characters. A lot of them, it's their first appearance. You know, you're looking at on this cover, we have Storm, Colossus, Thunderbird, Nightcrawler, all first appearances of them. And why are the original X-Men like afraid and sad in the background? They're fading in the distance and this new team is busting through. Cyclops still made it though. Yeah, he still made it. And this, uh, I wrote Rock on 2, Genesis number 2. That's what this is. Second Genesis. This is like the second generation of the X-Men. Okay. Second generation. And technically, maybe the third generation. But that's a retcon wrangler for another day. Oh, God. Retcon wranglers. Okay, so can I page turn it? Sure. And also know that you are turning pages in the omnibus. Yeah, I'm like, what is this? This All this preamble is not part of the comic. This is the first page. Okay. Oh, I see. Look at that. It says second Genesis. Hey. Okay. We're going to get it. We're so that, getting it. That iconic cover, trope of X-Men comics to recreate covers. This one has been done over and over again with the, have the new team busting through the old team, fading in the background. You know, we have this second shot that's really more just of an expanded cover shot with the full roster, notice Cyclops is not here. Right. Only in the background. Also, can we talk about how this this second version has this beast who is blue, who like kind of looks like a hybrid of beast and wolverine. Is that mm-hmm. beast? That's supposed to be beast, that's right? Beast, yeah. Yeah. Well, he looks like a beast wolverine hybrid. Mm-hmm. And that's weird. Yeah. And yeah, it is. and Banshee is in here now. Banshee and Sunfire. Is that who this this red dude is? Yep. Sunfire. Okay. Let's get it. Let's get into it. And holy internal expositional monologues. It's Nightcrawler. And he's deep in thought just about the terribleness of people and how things would have been simpler. Life could have been different in the carnival, but he was still a freak and he's running from this angry mob mob with torches and chasing him through the streets i like when he says they with their mindless prejudices yeah like they don't even know what they're prejudice against they just you're different so yeah and, and the monster right so the, the first word bubbles and we already get some of that internal conflict of kurtz and this harkening back to the big themes developed over time within the x-men this prejudice against those who are different these these people that don't even know they're just angry at the fact that this person's different and Right, he didn't even do anything. He's right. probably just walking around, and they were like, "You look different." And and he's such like Nightcrawler is my favorite X Men. I don't think I've ever said that on the podcast. I was like, I thought you were gonna say I don't think I've ever said that to you, and I was like, um, no, you're well aware. Nightcrawler is my favorite X Men. I love the contrast of his exterior and just the genuine nature of his character. Yeah. So he is seen as this demonic, evil character, but he is literally the best guy ever. He's a good egg. He has a sweet, sweet soul. But he's getting attacked. He's getting attacked. And he goes for it. You want to brawl? Let's do it. And this, the mob reminds me of Beauty and the Beast. Yeah, it does. It <laughs> has a like, very Beauty and the Beast. Kill the beast. Kill the beast. And on the next Which one week, of these dudes is Gaston? They didn't have a Gaston, and that's that's their fu- that's downfall. That's their downfall. That's what, <laughs> they really needed a Gaston. Disney didn't own Marvel at the time. so Fools, fools, you know, fools. Revamp. Okay, so. We see a mind bubble. 
A mind bubble? Stop. That can only mean one thing. Interesting demonstration. Yeah, it's an interesting demonstration of Xavier's power that you've seen in movies where he's able to freeze everyone in a particular area. Yes. Right. And So this would be like the first time that we're seeing this? I think so. I'm not entirely sure, but... Could be. Could be. And then he's talking to Kurt about his school, about this recruitment, this potential of being more, being your full self. On the next page, Wolverine is brought in. And like I said earlier, this isn't the first appearance of Wolverine. And we get a mention of him having fought the Hulk and also Wendigo. Does Wolverine have this costume when he's not in the X-Men comics? Is this what he looks like? Yes. And when he was initially introduced in Lenwin's comic in Incredible Hulk, he had not yet been defined as a mutant. And it was the intent that his, and I don't think it's even clarified here, it might even be after the fact, but it was intended that his claws were a part of his costume. Oh, not part of his body. Not part of his body. Dun, 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 changed it. Okay, so Wolverine's here and he's like, what's up? I'm right here. Gents. Yeah, yeah. Just all temper and gruff, this man. He's just, you know, what's going on? And and just the grizzledness of, I think one of the biggest contracts, and they, they say this throughout the run that follows, is that these are all adults. You know, mm-hmm. the, the first Or the other ones were, you know, quote unquote teens. Yeah, 50-year-old teenagers. <laughs> all right, so I'm confused. Is Wolverine upset? Well, so there's or some back and forth. Or is he trying to be part of the team? He's not trying to be part of the team. Xavier's trying to recruit him. And the Canadian government's like, whoa, hey, hey, wait a second. You're not just, you can't just go. We've invested a lot of money in you. You're an asset to us. And Wolverine's like, you know, he, he just goes off. You, you can't tell me no. I'm, I'm resigning my commission effective immediately and, and slashes at him with his claws. Unless, of course, you have any further objections. I didn't think so. And you can he, totally see in, in these images how it looks like the claws are just part of his costume in here right so the canadian government is saying that they've invested a lot of money in him so is that oh you can even see the tip of his claw in that yeah like it's hanging out in there yeah ready to come out but so if they're saying in this at this moment in time that the canadian government invested a lot of money in him then obviously his whole backstory with like striker and adamantium and all of that was that just in the movies is that real is that Stryker is just in the movies. Stryker is a different character. He's not involved in Weapon X. But Weapon X is is an American Weapon X organization. is a Canadian organization. It's a Canadian organization? Well, it's oftentimes, it's oftentimes international, but it is based in Canada. Okay, well, that is not clearly portrayed in the movies. They say it. Well, I don't know. There's remember. an old base up at Alkali, Alkali Lake in Canada. That's, oh, that's where the... I just like took that, scrubbed it right from my memory. <laughs> Uh, I remember Alkali Lake. Yep. And then also I think more what he's talking to as invested in is less about specifically Weapon X, more about Alpha Flight, which is again something that we're not going to find anything out about for a number of years. Okay. All right. So long story short, now Wolverine is part of the team. He's a free agent. He's going with the X-Men. I'm going with the X-Men. And then... One of the quickest recruitments in X-Men history... What is it? All right, I'm in. Banshee is on the team. He's already an established character in the Marvel he Universe. He just has those two, ta- two top panels that's, at the that's top. It, that's, that's it. And I'm Banshee and I'm here. We get a little origin story and backstory from Storm, the weather goddess. Like I said, this is her first appearance flying through the skies naked. She's naked. Yep. I think she's got that long, long hair to cover her body. Yep. 
Strategic hair placement. Yeah, they do that. Okay, so so she, Kenya, East Africa, atop a lonely knoll, there stands a great stone portal. I've I don't really know Storm's backstory. Yep. So so she is worshipped as a weather goddess as of as of right now. As she should be. Right. Uh, and and she actually believes that she is a goddess. Does not know I that believe, she's a mutant. Does not know what mutant is. That's not a thing for her. Right. Well, if we really want to get like deep into mythology, could mutants have really existed? Gods and goddesses. Just saying. Hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Wow. She's. Re- but the thing is, she's like not completely naked. Like she's, she's got, a, got belt a belt and some dangles. With a little like loincloth situation. Oh she's yeah. She's just topless, which actually isn't that odd because if she's if she's a goddess from a an African tribe, like that's pretty culturally accurate. Accurate. And she gets recruited. You know, she she's initially thrown off. What could you possibly offer to a goddess? Right. Like, why, what? Why do I need you? Well, yeah. Why? Why be worshipped as a goddess when you could be hated and feared by the world? <laughs> Tempting offer, little man. I repeatedly refer to Xavier as little man in my notes now. <laughs> Thanks, Namor. Thanks, Namor. Uh, we have the second quickest recruitment in the book with Sunfire, who I believe also holds the record for X-Men who has most frequently quit the team. Spoiler alert. Is he is is Sunfire like based off of a fish or something? His his mask is giving me like hmm. little fish vibes. I don't know. Like a sunfish. Maybe. And he's got like the flames on his on his suit. Sunfire. In those last two panels we are in Siberia. So Sunfire is from Japan, Aurora is from Africa, Colossus is from Russia. Russia. Colossus is from Russia. Peter, Piotr, another first appearance. And we see a tractor trailer careening towards a child playing blindly in its path. Oh, no. Do we know who this child is? She's not yet named. Do you know who Colossus' sister is? I feel like I'm supposed to. She was in the last issue we read. The last issue we read? Today. I already forgot everyone. <laughs> magic. Oh right. Colossus's sister is magic. Well, then that kind of I don't know if there's any familial ties between magic and Colossus and the ability to wield the sword, but like if there is something in their family that ties to that, then it kind of makes sense that Rasputin ends up being able to do it because she's part Colossus. And also part Kitty Pride. And right, and you had said it. that Kitty can and do it. Kitty can do it as well, just because of the bond that she has with Ilyana. Magic. Okay, so that's that's magic. That will become magic. Ooh, at look some at place. her little bonnet. She's so cute. Yeah. And she's also much younger than she will be when she actually does join the team. Uh, this is it. Yeah, uh, this is one of the coolest just transformations, demonstrations of power. Uh, I definitely think that it is the era that defines my favorite X Men. This just just everything that's happening right here in him transforming into his like metal self and just these all these character lines of dialogue become concrete to the character mm-hmm. they evolve they grow you know colossus is this nice committed to the homeland you know bigger picture than himself nightcrawler is they stay true to their they, yeah, origin they evolve as characters and especially with chris claremont but the basics of their character traits are always throughout. 
Now we're uh, before, on the road. Before we go on the road, oh. that last panel, or the first, the first panel on that that page. The next page, yeah. Yeah, Dos Vidania. Dos Vidania. Uh, this is just a personal, you know. Dos Vidania. I just always think about uh, the movie Anastasia. Oh. Dos Vidania. I always think of Allison, and the submarine. Yeah, right. But I, I mean, I'm just saying. I think of Anastasia because it's Russian, and they say. Dosvedanya Anya. Hmm. Anyway, shout out to A Crew. Hey, Apache John Proudstar, another first appearance. And he is on the plains in Arizona Wrangling taking down. A bison. Yeah. Is it a bison? Yep, bison. Look at me. And there's Charles. There's Charles. Just traveling the plains in his little wheelchair. And, and just, I love how, I love Thunderbird's reaction here. And. Now, how in the blazes did a cripple get all the way out here? Not that that matters much. And then he makes him his offer. Don't don't be too hasty, my young friend. And he's like, the white man needs me? That's tough. I owe him nothing but the grief he's given my people. Now beat it. True. True. I'm glad they put that in there. Yeah. No, I just, I think it's just really interesting to connect these themes and this, this attitude overall of this character into something that's pretty real for... In, not in a lot of fictional texts. Right. right. And you know what's really interesting? And I I mean, I know I've sort of made this realization and this is a conversation that is not this. This is not a, a genuine brandy new Alicia thought. But the idea of him saying that and you think about Xavier is constantly asking people to do things for the their oppressors. Yes. He's constantly asking mutants, hey, these people, the humans, are putting you down, are making your life more difficult, are causing you know people to fear you, but we need to come together and we need to help them and we need to show them the way. And it's very interesting because if you look about it, look at it in specifically this context where he's talking specifically about white men and what you know colonizers have done. Yep. To his people all this time, it's similar in, and that's what... You want me to leave my homeland to defend... Right, and that's, you know, always been the tie of of X-Men into these oppressed or, mutant you know, and, mutants and how it ties into real real world oppressed um, categories of people. I can't think of the right word that I'm looking for. It's categories of people is not what I want to say, but... Yeah, minority groups. Yeah, it's just interesting. It's interesting that he as a white man is continuously asking people to support white men and kind of overlook or humans in general and just overlook the, the bad to help them see the good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If we save their lives enough times, maybe they'll stop killing us. Nope. They won't. They won't They'll just become greedy. They come up with new ways to kill you. Chapter two chapters. And when there was one. So we've got, all the new friends hanging out. And they've all got their new uniforms. Looking for fly those who as didn't hell. previously have them. They are made from unstable molecules. And this is a little note from Xavier on here, which is a thing created by Reed Richards. That's how his costume is able to adapt to him stretching and the human torches. Ah, so the, the costumes can to, adapt to whatever their powers do. So, you know, when Colossus changes size and all that. Yeah, because he does grow when he turns metal does he become giant <laughs> one might say i mean he definitely shops at a big and tall when he's in metal form all right so 
they're all here. It's a little family gathering, team bonding session. Yeah. yeah. And, and then and then Sunfire is just popping off. He's like, hey, get to the point. I don't blame him. And then who swings open the doors? Cyclops got the guy, point. Cyclops. He's coming. And we get some idea of just what happened. The X-Men disappeared and we use Cerebro to find you all. Cerebro. Mm-hmm. It is real. Mm-hmm. We get a flashback on the next page about what happened to the X-Men. There's a huge mutant signature on the island of Krakoa. What do you what? What? What's the question? What do you mean? There's a mutant signature on the island of Krakoa. This is the first appearance of Krakoa. Stop it! No. Giant size X Men. So he ooh, is giant. Okay, yeah, yeah. he is giant. He's a damn island. Okay. All right, I'll give you that. <laughs> but they also were planning on doing a giant size X Men number two. That was just it was intent to be a quarterly book, not a monthly or bi-monthly book. And that's, I think, more where the giant size comes from. But OK. But anyway, anyway Krakoa, Krakoa. Wait, explain this to me a little bit more because obviously I'm not reading. So they're saying what happened to the original five X-Men or yep. the original X-Men outside of Cyclops. The original seven X-Men. OK. But OK. Because Polaris and Havoc are on the team in that first issue. Uh, look, first at, look at her. Panel. Look at her. There she is. Polaris. Yeah, so these flashbacks, this is Cyclops explaining to the new team, the new recruits, what has happened. So Okay, so explain it to me like I'm a new recruit. So Cerebro has detected a new mutant on the island of Krakoa in the South Pacific, a mutant so powerful as to defy classification. So he sends the X-Men to go. They get the Stratojet, and they're heading to this island in Krakoa. And they land, and something happens. That green energy uh, we don't see what happens, but when he wakes up, his head is throbbing. He, he doesn't have access to his powers. He has lost his visor, and he flies back to the professor. And everyone else is gone? He doesn't know where they are. He doesn't know what's happened. And we don't know. This is this green thing? We don't know. We don't know. We don't know. Dagnabbit. We will find out. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, so then he comes back, and then what's the timetable here? So he comes back, they've they've disappeared, and then immediately Xavier finds these other mutants, or is there time between? Good question. I hate that little face. (laughs) I hate that little face. Good question that I can't answer to you, because, I mean, for a number of reasons. So what is the timetable between them having disappeared and this new team? Cyclops coming back. so, So they go. Yep. The green light or whatever it is happens. We don't know what it is. Cyclops is all disoriented. He goes back to Xavier. How much time passes between him going back to Xavier and him and and Xavier recruiting this new team? Doesn't say. Doesn't say. So a couple days, a couple weeks. We don't know. A couple years. Uh, no, not that long. Okay. That's what I needed. I'm yeah. good now. Yeah. I'd, I'd narrow it down to a fortnight if I had to. Ugh. Ugh. A fortnight. Look at you. Okay. Anyway. So... So now we're back in the present as he's talking to the team. And so we're, we are going back to rescue the X-Men and stop this mutant. And Sunfire is not having any of it. And Looks like he's like about to slap Cyclops in the face. And he quits Just the like team. Just like backhand him. He's like, I'm off the team. I'm out. <laughs> he already quit. I will not. I will have no part in this fool's errand. He's like, you just told me that all these people went there and literally disappeared. And you want me. And you would like me to go. With a bunch of strangers. No, thank you. This team of people that trained for years together. I'm out. So they fly off without Sunfire. 
He just jumps on the outside <laughs> of the plane. He's like, I'm coming. Just get it. Yeah. Uh, first off, just, hey, one eye, there's something following us. One eye. Yeah. Cyclops. Yep. Oh, you know, I never looked into, you oh. know, when I was talking about Titans yeah. and when we and were talking about Greek mythology the and the Cyclops is, is, a, is a Titan, I for think. Sure. Oh, man. I want to know if they're like, do they have Greek mythology books or mythological books like just chilling in the Marvel offices and like do they all get together and talk about like these are the this is where we're pulling these stories from. This is our inspiration. Let's talk about how we can dive really deep into this. Or is it just that mythology just lends itself? You know, like how much of I that think it's is, more intentional than Yeah, it has to be. I think it's definitely more intentional. Just especially with the themes of new gods with Nimrod as the searcher for right and just well, gods, but like even titans, going like, way way back like they talk about titans and they t- and the fact that Cyclops's name is Cyclops like his name is Cyclops but he doesn't have one eye right he just has la- one those goggles or whatever make yeah. his eyes a laser beam but he has two eyes so what was you know Stan Jack why'd you call him Cyclops I think because the visor makes it one eye but yeah, I, I don't know at that point because that would be the only reference to Greek mythology. Right, but somewhere along the line, someone was like, "Hey, this we're could... gonna we're gonna dive deep into this." I wonder if it was Claremont. Not really. No, he doesn't really. Think so? No, he, I mean, I mean, he did create Nimrod, so maybe. He just but seems like such a. I feel like thorough thinker. The connections between gods, titans, a lot of heavy Greek mythology is all coming from Hickman's run. Hickman. Mm. If only I could talk to him. Okay. So. Chapter three. Oh, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Sunfire is back. He's talking smack to Psych. And what are you going to make me fly all the way to Krakoa all on my own? I'm back. I don't want to talk about it. Just let me on the ship. And Nightcrawler is busting him up. He's like, so the, the prodigal mutant returns. Why did you change your mind, Sunfire? Afraid to go home alone? the last 30 seconds. Yeah. My reasons are nobody's business but my own, misfit. You do well to remember that dare you call nightcrawler a misfit you're all misfits this is the island of misfit toys dang it i mean that actually is a recurring label for kurt that's rude so chapter three assault force deploy the team so it's interesting cyclops's leadership is constantly questioned by everyone on this team and and i put (laughs) team in quotation marks they're barely a team they're barely a team they just all met throw them on a plane gaggle of humans nope mutants yep and so he starts to deploy them in teams of two. Why has he got to put those Sunfire with Nightcrawler? They just were like having a little tiff. Yeah. Well, it's a flyer and a non-flyer. All right. Oh, I see. They're holding on to the feet. Yep. They're holding on to the feet of but the flyers. But then Colossus is just like, ah, I'm going. <laughs> He's just going to jump out the plane by himself. Yep. And Storm on the next page. You fool, you cannot fly. <laughs> but I can land with the best of them. <laughs> and so... Cyclops and Thunderbird land on Krakoa, and the Stratojet just disappears. They're, they're being like super antagonistic to each other. It feels like everybody is just at each other's throat. Yes, sir, General One-Eye, sir. It doesn't really seem like a smart decision to take a bunch of people who just met each other. Are kind who, of surly to each other. Right, who all have lived on their own, who all have varying degrees of knowledge of their... Their mutant powers and teamwork and then say to them, especially, okay, think about Storm. Storm, oh, hi, I'm a goddess. Okay, I'm going to come here and I'm going to be on this team and I'm going to be led by this dude who I don't know at all and I just have to listen to everything he says. Why should I listen to him? Mm. And 
you know, Wolverine, he's a big gruff guy and clearly Sunfire, Sunfire has some issues of dealing with authority and to just take all of these these people and not give them any training or any time to get to know each other and put them out on a mission seems a little strange. Reckless. Quite reckless. Yeah. All right, so Krakoa clearly ate the ship. <laughs> yep. It's gone. That's impossible. And now it's starting. Now Krakoa's starting to eat the people. What I thought was interesting reading this, so planes don't just disappear and temples just don't suddenly spring up out of nowhere. Oh, yes, they do. Yes, they do. And this, I mean, doesn't look exactly like that tower. It looks pretty close to pretty the tower, Pretty close to though. the tower, though, right? Interesting. Hmm. So they're going in. Vines attack. Defend yourself with passive-aggressive quips as they fight each other still at each other's throats. <laughs> and a very specific 14 minutes later. 14 minutes later. They arrive. And the next couple of pages, we basically have that same thing, but with our other three teams. So Storm and Colossus on Krakoa, there's a temple where there's also a homing avalanche of rocks that follows them. And then Wolverine and Banshee are fighting a giant lobster. Bunch of lobsters. Oh, my. And Wolverine's mad. They're not the only ones with claws. (laughs) Starts. And he starts snapping at Banshee, calling him Irish. That seems pretty characteristic of Wolverine. And then we got Nightcrawler and Sunfire on Krakoa. Temple. Distractions. Birds. Birds. Calls him a misfit again. Sunfire is more direct and boisterous. He's just like, hey, let's go. Let's just get out of here. I looked ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did. What, what's your question? <laughs> no, I just was like, oh, there they are. They're in the inside Krakoa. They're tangled in vines. Yep, yep. So they get they get inside the temple. Yeah, so that... I love this line of, now it's time for your per- first practical lesson as an X-Man. Breaking and entering. And they find the X-Men and something looks to be like it's feeding on them. Yikes. And so they free them. And Angel says to him, you fool, don't you understand? It wanted you to come back and bring others with you. It was all a trap and now it's too late. And the ground starts moving around them as Krakoa, the island that walks like a man, appears. Krakoa's scary looking. Yeah. That's like this mutinoid giant thing and and dinosaur planet yeah kind of they talk about the evolving kind of a little bit of backstory of how seemingly chemicals and plus its mutation and it became this giant eco consciousness an eco consciousness that shoots lasers out of its eyes yeah i didn't i didn't notice i didn't know that before either what does he say he was like and now yes we used you eyeless one as we use the legless one who gathered you all together. <laughs> I just think that that's... The legless one? Yeah. That is not right. Yes, The Cyclops. man has legs. I played you and your paraplegic father figure too. <laughs> oh my Lord. And so Kokoa shoots lasers out of his eyes. I, I never knew that. And nothing is doing anything. They're fighting and just nothing is doing everything, anything. And that epic splash page on the next page that big panel where they're fighting so epic words couldn't describe it. So we won't bother, (laughs) (laughs) which I think is just cheeky editorial fun. Does it say that? Yes. So we won't even attempt it here. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. And 
Professor Xavier reaches out and he's like, I've been mentally monitoring your battle thus far, studying the living island, and I believe I've discovered its weak point. Here's my plan, which is kind of, it's it's very characteristic of Xavier, especially in the early run of the comics. It's almost a joke just how frequently Xavier steps in and saves the day. And he's doing it again. He's like, hey, you guys, uh, great job. I know I sent you into certain death, but you're doing it wrong. Here's what he should be doing. Well, it's a lot easier for him in the comfort of his home to just yeah. like take it one pace at a time when he's not being attempted to be eaten by yeah. a freaking giant planet. Yeah. An island man with crazy teeth and laser eyes. Yeah. And so he concentrates and joins the battle. Oh. And he and Krakoa fight mentally as the X-Men continue to attack him. And what I think is really cool, really interesting, and I started to obsess over it and how it connects to some stuff in House of X and Powers of Ten. Oh my God, please tell me. What? I'm just ready. Oh, just this storm charging Polaris with her electricity to enhance her mutagenic magnetic powers and overcharge her power. This this idea of powers working in tandem. Mm. On Krakoa. Yeah. And it even, it even says the circuit is complete, which they refer in, in later comics, they refer to the five as a mutant circuit. So this idea hmm. of using powers in tandem pretty early on, often not recognized in here, you know, oftentimes people will cite the fastball special as one of the first times that mutants working together like that. But here you have Storm bringing down electricity to charge Polaris's magnetic abilities to then do what? What is this plan? And there was this... I think this page in particular, this panel in particular, I can't sacrifice a world to save one woman, Alex, even if she is the woman you love, which I can't tell you now, but has just such connections to a Ten of Swords panel and page. Really? Yeah. That's cool. I love it when that stuff happens. It's just, it comes back at Cyclops. and Oh, Really, what a shock, because I was going to say, I bet if the roles were reversed, Cyclops would be like, you have to do everything to save Jean. Someone else than Jean, Ooh, but, but, but he does say, all right, well, then I'm doing it. Like, he does not back down. So, tisk tisk, little Cyclops. Well, no, that's what they wanted. This idea of Krakoa being a community intellect kind of moved me down a... Of the side Don't path. What? Phalanx. Yeah. That's exactly, well, Dominion. <laughs> right. So this idea that Krakoa is this community, this hive intelligence, this larger ecosystem society that needs to feed, like Krakoa saps mutant energy. That's So what, Krakoa is a Dominion. Basically. It is a, it, it's not necessarily a god, but it is something that powers are coming to to make stronger and larger. I feel like every time I I was just about to say, I think I'm starting to understand, but I don't want to say that because I probably don't. But then I thought a little bit further. So Dominions use a phalanx. A phalanx use a technarch for like recruitment and organization. And the technarch is unaware of its role in supporting the phalanx in getting things to consume. So who are you saying is the technarch? Cyclops is unaware of what he's being sent to do to find more mutants and bring them back to Krakoa. Oh, because Krakoa was like, that's what they were saying. Yeah. He, this is what they wanted you to do. Yeah. That's what Angel's saying. You know, you fool, this is what he wanted that you would go and you would recruit more people, more energy for him to feed on. 
which I thought, I thought was really interesting. You know, Hickman has cited that you know, this issue in particular is where he started to get the ideas of what then became his run. That's cool. All right, so they're fighting this Krakoa. They're fighting him real good. They're fighting him real good, and they have a long game strategy where Polaris cuts to the core of the Earth with this overcharged power and is trying to separate Krakoa from the Earth. But isn't Krakoa the Earth? Krakoa is a part of, you know, so Krakoa is a landmass, but she's trying to use this overcharged amount of power to from the magnetic molten core. Oh, right. The earth, set. not the island. Like, not the ground earth. Right. The earth. The earth. The earth. Capital earth. E. Gotcha. And so they do this, and Jean takes it and throws it into the... Bye. Throws it into space. Throws Krakoa into space. And now everything's going crazy. They have to... The, there's not... We, we need to be safe. We need to get out of here. Iceman creates an ice raft... And there's a hole and everything's kind of going into that hole. Quick, save us. So he makes a dome over them and they're saved. And they're just kind of floating there. And then there's the jet somehow. Did it fall out of Krakoa? Had Krakoa eaten it? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think this is great. He these last out these, when he was being shot into space because yeah. he was so scared. Uh, these last two panels here. We don't have seats for all you noobs who just saved our lives. Thanks a lot, Angel. Like, yeah, we don't have. How about we don't have seats for all of you because we thought you were already dead. Yeah, you don't get seats. We saved your life. But then also this: what are we going to do with thirteen X Men? What's wrong with thirteen X Men? Who said that can only be five or six or seven? Nobody. Nobody. We got a whole mansion, baby. Big old mansion. That's the end of the issue. And that's the end. So basically, giant size X Men is about. New X-Men, and we're saying, look, we need some new X-Men. Regular-sized new X-Men. Regular-sized new X-Men. Hey, we need some new X-Men because we lost the other ones. JK, we got the other ones back, so now we just have a big old team. And so that's the question going into the next issue is, what do we do with all these people? So in the run of Giant Size X-Men, does uh, Krakoa come back? Giant Size X-Men is a one-issue the so what's the next so so that was it that's over and then what is the title after that supposedly it was going to be a giant sized x-men number two there was going to be an issue but the sales for this issue did really well there was a lot of energy around it so they decided to take what was going to be giant sized x-men number two and they split it into two issues two regular sized issues x-men 94 95 Chris Claremont writes the script, not the story. This was right, the plot. We were talking about this yep. the other day. So this was the plot already assembled, already kind of planned out. This is what we were talking about with Generations of X, about when your brother was saying, oh, how'd you all know the, the episode number? And then you guys were talking about that's a, a, the issue number. Oh, yeah. that That's not what we're talking about now, but that, that was like issue 98. Right. But it was the leading up that like Chris Claremont wrote the script and then- he planted some seeds and then a few issues later, then he started his run. So he, yeah, he starts, he's the scripter in 94, 95. So someone else wrote the plots. Len Wein wrote the plots. And then he is the storyteller writer in full by I think 96, 97. So giant size X-Men is the 
jumping off point for the Claremont run? Yes, but Claremont had nothing to do nothing with Giants to do with it. He just got it after that He point. was an intern in the office at that time. He was working for free and was just a college student at, I think, Bard University um, studying theater. And I love him. He had, uh, he had a family friend, got him a connection at Marvel to be an intern. And he figured, you know, I'm, I'm doing it for credit, so I don't care if you pay me. And Marvel loved that. So Everyone loves that. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. But then... You know, when X-Men started doing really well and they uh, you know, let's make this a regular book, Len Wein didn't have the time to be able to commit to that. So he was like, who wants it? And, and Chris basically ran over people saying, like, I, I want it. I'll take it. I t- I'll take it. I'll take anything. And so with this third string previously canceled book that no one was paying attention to, he was able to literally do whatever he wanted. That's cool. And with that was able to start planting these long game seeds and, and so he didn't plots. Act, he didn't create Wolverine no but he just he created he created the depth of character the, that yeah. is Wolverine so Len we, Len Wein created the idea of this is the character with you know the artist that he wrote that he was working with I don't recall the artist on uh, uh, the Hulk the Hulk 181 but all the backstory, the the character, not all the backstory, but a lot of the backstory and character, the, the depth that becomes Wolverine was written by Claremont. Okay. And then... And the same is true with Storm and Nightcrawler, Colossus, you know. So in the, in the Claremont run, does Krakoa come back? No. So Krakoa is just in this one issue. It comes back. Krakoa as an island, as a entity in the Marvel Universe comes back. Before Hickman. Before Hickman, yes. There's a period of time when Wolverine is the headmaster of the Jean Grey School for Higher Learning where Krakoa is basically the front lawn and just kind of like lives as the ground. I feel like I need to do, maybe it's like when we jump back into Dawn of X or maybe it's like season three or I don't know, but I want to like think about, I want to see the the trajectory of Krakoa, the timeline of Krakoa. Was this Krakoa's first appearance? Yes. So when does it when does Krakoa appear next? How does it evolve? Do we ever hear more about the Apocalypse Krakoa storyline? I'm interested in those things, so we put that in yeah. on the back burner. Write it down. Krakoa backstory. I mean this was enjoyable. It it was interesting. It's cool to see the bringing in of you know, Storm and Nightcrawler Where and Wolverine, Colossus, all of that. Yeah, that's nice. I'd ne- not really seen many of their backstories. Is there a, di- a deeper dive into Storm's backstory? Yeah, it gets, you know, in the same, less of a retcon, more of a filling out. You know, there yeah. are further stories that explore a lot of the X-Men's backstories before that they come to. That's another season we have to do. Backstories, origin stories. That's interesting that you say that I read... This morning, I was reading X-Men Origins Colossus, which came out in 2008 and is just a couple of snippets of backstory of Colossus's. I love backstory. Yeah. Well, it's even better. Just I think, you know, you, you get these characters introduced and then the backstory gets developed. And especially with Claremont, you know, he, he'll take these characters. What did, what did you refer to it as? Basically, it was handed a tabula rasa where he has these fully formed characters that have nothing defined for them. So he can create anything yeah. that... Why are they like this? And having a theater background, having this background of character development yes. and storytelling and evolution of character that 
was such a you know and now we're, we're getting into what will be some some future issues talking about the, the future episodes talking about the claremont run and claremont himself we we'll, and we actually have an interview with the claremont run yeah that's the, so the twitter exciting. account and and website which is really exciting yeah i just feel like the lot you know what i've what i feel is lacking in in these issues is you know you saying to me that giant size x-men just it's it it's this one thing it's this one story it was just but then gets continued in right, the x-men but run. then gets continued further on but i want to know more about the situations and i want there to be more purpose behind the stories and i think that's what i like about um well hickman and and everything but also claremont and the few times that we've gone to comic-con and we've been able to like meet him and like sit and talk to him his insight his depth his like intuition about all the characters he knows them all so well he knows all their layers he knows how they all connect and that's so because he treats them like they're real people right they 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 grow and evolve and he knows their motivations and and knows their weaknesses and knows you know before him before claremont comics were very serial they were you know kind of like sitcom episodes right where there wasn't a big overarching story in the background it was this thing this is what happens today in this issue yeah one and done kind of like issue one of x-men yeah and i mean that's fine right for for new readers, new readers just getting or in. for like young kids that was also which kind is of what they were right originally intended for a younger a younger audience younger kids into college age kids yeah and then like the whole like this is appearing on a little newsstand and you pick it up and you read this week's so and maybe you pick and choose which ones you want to read and we're not so worried about you sticking to Building a series a, a all the way through narr- yeah that someone would be able to pick this issue up and just jump right in yes they might have questions they might not understand everything but there would be enough exposition of who these characters are even in the first couple of issues into the run in the rest of that omnibus, you know, every issue starts with and the, the claws come from his hands and, and he uses his healing or like Colossus turns into living steel, his mutant, you know, like they describe mm-hmm. who these people are and how they're doing what they're doing. Almost every issue. Right. It's like when you're reading the Harry Potter books and you read the first few, like the first two or three, they they re-explain everything. And that, like in the beginning, they're like, this yep. is Harry and he goes to Hogwarts and he be, is a wizard and he didn't know it and blah, blah, blah. And but this if you're is how hard up, work works. If you're picking up book five, like yeah. hopefully you, you know. You get into four and, five, four and five, you don't need that explanation anymore. But the first three, like maybe you're just joining us. So, well, this, all right. Seminal moment. This is seminal moment number one. Technically. Number one. So issue number one of X-Men wasn't listed as a seminal moment. They were the seminal moments that come from or come after, um, after. X-Men number one. But I figured we'd start with X-Men number yeah, one. Yeah, because you got to start at the very beginning because yeah. it's a very good place to start. Yeah. So from 1963 and now we're at 1975. All right. Well. Do you know where we go next? Or what, I, maybe that's a bad question because we're going to go to a couple places in between. But the next seminal moment is in 1991. What is it? Adjectiveless X-Men. Adjectiveless X-Men. But before we do that, we've got some sidesteps in between. Some little ditties. Some little ditties along the way. And we'll be talking more about Dawn of X, too. Yeah. Woo-hoo. 
Well, until next time, old friend. Charles, you silly little man. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends. The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Quan. <laughs>